There are those, some moments in our lives that we're at a crossroads. And what we choose will determine which way we go. It could be things like jobs. It could be things like relationships. It could be things like schooling. It can be things like, am I going to believe God? Or am I going to not believe him? Going to follow in his ways or not follow in his ways? And those crossroads are important, and they can determine the course of our lives, where we go, what we do. King Ahaz was given one of those opportunities, this crossroads. Will he trust God, or will he turn from God and trust something else? And it's in this context that the Lord gave this prophecy that he would send forth a son would be called Emmanuel, God with us. As we want to look at this today, as we try to understand the background here, so King Ahaz, he is the king of Judah, and can we get the map up there, Kyle? He is the king of Judah, and uh, this took place about 734 to 732 BC. So he is the king of Judah down here, And coming against him are the king of Israel and the kings of Assyria, two kings against one. And they are coming up. They want to besiege this kingdom and conquer it. Their evil plan, verse 5, is described uh, as also in verse 6. We want to come up, conquer this kingdom, get rid of its king, and set up another king in its place. And this uh, king they wanted was the son of Tabel, uh, and so they wanted to, to come and conquer Judah. And why, why did they want to do this? Uh, most likely, uh, why they wanted to do this is because of the nation of Assyria. That was the growing world power at that day. And eventually, they would come and conquer all of these lands. Uh, but right now, uh, these, Israel and Syria wanted Judah to join them so they could fight against Assyria. And this is a very real threat. And look at the first part of verse 2. And it was told the house of David. The house of David. What about the house of David? This is of the line of David. Uh, God had promised that a son would always reign from the house of David. He'd be able to reign. And they wanted to come in and set up someone else who wasn't of the line of David. And so really God's promises are at stake here. If they put another king on the throne... How will God be true to his word? And so Ahaz has a choice. Newly come to the throne, is he going to turn to God and listen to him, or is he going to turn to something else? Over in 2 Kings chapter 16, I could turn there if you will. 2 Kings chapter 16, we see more about him. We're going to come back to this passage later. In 2 Kings chapter 16, we read of Beginning in verse 1, in the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Israel, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God, as his father David has done. So he doesn't try to please God. What is one of the, some of the things he does? Verse 3, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel those evil kings. Indeed, he made his sons pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He offered child sacrifices to pagan gods. 
This is the extent of his wickedness, of his rejection against God. And so now he has these two kings coming against him, and the Lord is not silent. He sends the prophet Isaiah to him, and they were afraid. We see in verse 2 that King Ahaz, uh, so his heart and the hearts of the people were moved as the trees of the woods were moved by the wind. We know a little bit about wind here, don't we? And that was what his heart is described as, swaying back and forth, afraid. What's going to happen? So the Lord sends Isaiah, and he meets him in the aqueduct. Most likely, Ahaz is trying to secure the water supply before the siege is coming. And so he gives him this message, verse 4, say to him, take heed or be careful, calm down, be quiet, do not fear, or be faint-hearted. Four different ways he describes, say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of these kings. They're just like uh, two stubs of smoking firebrands, like sticks you use to stir up the fire. You take them out of the fire, they're going to go out. So to these kings, they're not going to be a lasting threat against you. You don't have to be afraid of their evil plans. You don't have to be afraid of what they're going to do because verse 7, thus says the Lord God. God, the, the Lord is sovereign. He's sovereign over nations. And their plan will not stand. In fact, says verse 8, within 65 years, Ephraim, it's another way of speaking of Israel, Ephraim, they would no longer even be a, a people. This I mentioned was 734 to 732 B.C. 722 B.C., the Assyrians came in and conquered Israel. And within that 65 years, so many other people had come and lived in the land that you couldn't distinguish the Israelites as a, a separate, distinct people. They became known as Samaritans because they had mixed with other peoples. And they will no longer be a nation. This, this nation who's a threat to you today will one day be no more. But here's the warning, verse 9. If you will not believe, surely you, that is Judah, the house of David, you shall not be established. You will not stand firm. You will not stand at all if you do not believe God in his promises. So within this context that the Lord tells Ahaz, ask for a sign. Ask for a sign to confirm that these two kings will not conquer you and be a threat. Nothing's too difficult, whether it's so high in heaven or low in the depths of the earth. Whatever it is, ask for the sign. Now, if we look at the Bible and signs, normally asking a sign of the Lord could be a dangerous thing because it was a statement saying, I don't trust what you say, so I need a sign to confirm what you have said. That was not the case here because the Lord clearly told Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord. But he says there, kind of sounds kind of pious, verse 12, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. I don't want to test the Lord. Well, let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 16. What was going on at the same time when the Lord said, ask for a sign that what I say will come true? 2 Kings 16 and verse 7 so Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rises up against me. 
Can you see that? Who's he sending messengers to? Assyria. He says, help me. I'm your, your slave. I'll surrender to you. And so he is looking to a foreign power to help him instead of to God. This is his crossroads. I'm going to turn to another nation for deliverance instead of turning to God. And the Lord tells him through Isaiah, okay, you're not going to ask a sign. Look at the end of verse 13, or for the beginning of verse 13. Here now, O house of David. Remember what was at stake. Will there be a son of David to reign as king? If the nation is destroyed, there wouldn't be. How can God be faithful to his promises? It's a small thing. You're wearying people. You're wearying God by not trusting him. So this is what the Lord is going to do. He is going to give you a sign, and it's going to come from the Lord himself, and the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. This is going to be the sign. The virgin here, it's used of a young woman who is of marriageable age, yet who is unmarried and sexually pure. It's used of Rebecca in Genesis chapter 24, uh, that she is able to be married, but yet still a virgin. Uh, and so this, is the, this virgin will bear a son, uh, and this son would be called Emmanuel. Sometimes it's called uh, Emmanuel with an E, it's spelled that way, uh, but it means God with us. And so the sign would be this virgin bearing a son and his name Emmanuel, so God with us. So how would God deliver? What was the hope? That God would be among his people. And look at what Ahaz is doing. He's looking to the Assyrians, say, help me. And the Lord's saying, here's a sign that you, you can trust me that I will be among you, that I will be your help. And Ahaz was not willing to turn to the Lord. And so the Lord said, I'm going to uh, give my uh, son, it will be God with us. We're going to come back and look at that a little bit more. Uh, but I, I want us to get a little bit more in the context here. And so his message to Ahaz then is, because you have rejected me, judgment is coming. Remember what's going to happen to Israel, that's going to happen to you as well. And some translations say 15 and 16 refers to the son that will be born, and ultimately this refers to Jesus Christ. We'll look more about that in a little bit. Uh, but uh, I think it's rather just speaking of a boy, saying these things are going to happen before a young child is born, and he grows up to be old enough to choose between good and evil. These two kings are no longer going to be a threat. So it's going to happen fairly soon, and... Uh, the Lord is going to take away these two kings, Syria and Israel. They're not going to be a threat to you, Judah. But what's going to happen, verse 17? The Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people in your father's house. So here's the, the irony. The very nation that they turned to, Assyria, would come and conquer them. It wasn't their help. And what would take place, it's seen as a judgment from the Lord that would begin with the nation of Assyria, like the fly and the bee. God would summon justice and judgment upon them. Uh, he would hire the Assyrians like someone with a hired razor and is going to shave 
Uh, I think the land or the people, like slaves would be shaved or the land would be plundered, and they would come in and take everything. So much so that if you kept a young cow and two sheep alive, that was your livelihood, not very much. And what would they have to eat? Uh, Curds and honey. Uh, Curds was likely a a simple form of cheese uh, and honey. You say, well, that's not too bad, Uh, but probably that was all their food. This is the food of nomads, the food of those who travel around, of hunters and gatherers. And so it's not like an option among many options. This is their option. Because what? The valuable vineyards, verse 23, are no more. They're thorns and briars. The land that was once time cultivated and farmed, now it's just uh, a, a rough pasture for animals to go in, and they're going to hunt in this land. This land will be desolate, and ultimately it's because the nation of Judah has rejected God and seen through Ahaz rejecting God and tr- coming to trust in him, he's going to reject him. And so God's saying, I'm going to bring my hand of judgment upon this nation. And so this is the bigger context here. And in this context, the Lord gives this promise that he would send forth a son born of a virgin, we called Emmanuel, God with us. Now there are good Bible teachers that think that this son uh, is, certainly it applies to Jesus, we'll look in a little bit, but it's, that it also applies to a son born in that day, and it could be of Isaiah or one of the, the household of Ahaz. But ultimately, I think it, it applies to Jesus Christ, and the context gives us guidance in that. Chapter 7 is, begins a section that ends in chapter 9 and verse 7. And chapter 8 speaks of Assyria coming and judging the land, destroying it, and also the warning, turn to the Lord, don't turn away from him. And chapter 9 begins with this. So things are looking pretty dark for Israel, for Judah. And chapter 9 begins with this, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. So in the midst of when it seems dark, there's no hope, God is going to send, look down to verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And I think those first listening, and I think us as well, should connect the son that was mentioned and prophesied in chapter 7, verse 14, with the son who is coming in chapter 9, in verse 6 and 7. And that he is the one who will be the ruler. And what was at stake? The line of David. Will there be a king? He's saying the ultimate hope is in the promises of God that he's going to send the son who will be the king and his kingdom will be reigned and ruled in righteousness and justice and his name will be called the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's going to be a worldwide kingdom upon the throne of David and it's going to be ruled with justice and judgment. And so this is, Judah, this is what you have to look forward to, is the promised Messiah. And God said would come. God promised to send Emmanuel. God always keeps his promises. Remember the date I said that this took place around 
734 to 732 B.C. And Jesus was born somewhere around B.C. 0. Over 700 years before, God made this prophecy. And it came true. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Here in this passage, it quotes the, this verse from Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. <clears throat> the angel comes to Joseph in chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows after his, son, his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, to you marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, that is Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And here Matthew clearly connects the dots in saying, Jesus Christ, who is born, is none other than the son who was prophesied 700 plus years before. God always keeps his promises. The plan of God is revealed in the word of God. And when God says something, you can believe it. And this leads us to the second response. The response to God is always to believe. That's what he wanted of Ahaz, to believe. Don't, don't turn to Assyria. Turn to me for deliverance. And so too as us as well. We need to believe God's word. That it is God's word. We don't need to ask for signs today because we have the word of God and it is trustworthy and true. A great example of this was Mary when the angels came to her and, and told her that she was going to have a baby and she's saying, I've never been with a man. How can this be? He says it's of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter one, and Mary says in Luke one thirty eight, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. If you say it, I believe it. I'm going to trust what you say. You need to believe God's word. And it's so foundational because often if people start questioning God's word, then they begin to question such teachings as the virgin birth. Well, how can that be? That doesn't happen. Well, yes, it's a miracle. That's what God did through sending his son to earth and having Jesus being born of the Virgin Mary. This was his plan to unite full deity with full humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. And in such grace and humility, sending his son into this world to be our savior. And that's what he's talked about in verse 21, uh, Matthew 1, 21. And she, Mary, will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people for, from their sins. That is why Jesus Christ came. 
God with us, to be our Savior. The response to the Savior is to believe. Jesus emphasized this again and again. One such example in John 6, 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And I hope that is your testimony that you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You told him that you are a sinner, that you believe he died for you and rose again. And the assurance then in the gospel is that you have everlasting life. And that is great hope and joy. And if you're not sure about that, if you're unsure about your standing before God, talk to me, talk to someone else here, how you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that you have eternal life. The response to God is always to believe in him. And third, hope is found in Emmanuel. Hope is found in Emmanuel. What did God want Ahaz to do? To turn to God and believe in him. And in the context of when Ahaz wasn't willing to believe in God, what did the Lord do? He gave a promise saying, this is how God is going to deliver Judah. This is how he's going to make sure one from the line of David would be on the throne through sending his own son to be Emmanuel, God with us. We see this displayed in John chapter 1, verse 14. The word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. God lived among us on earth. He came to us on earth, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And there's a lot we could look about about God's future plan for Israel, and this their hope is bound up in the promised Messiah who they rejected the first time he came, but he's coming again in power and glory, and he will establish his kingdom. But for us, as we wait for his return, believer, God is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. Good times and hard times. He will help you do what you need to do. He will help you resist temptation. He'll help you to live for God. I want you to think about that in this coming week. If you know Christ as your Savior, then God is with you. As Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. He is with you at all times. It's a challenge, an encouragement, a comfort, and ultimately he's going to bring you to be with him in heaven. In Revelation 21 verse 3, and God will dwell with them and they shall be his people. Where are we all going as believers to be with God for all eternity? And so there is the ultimate hope of God with us. Our hope is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, and it is a living and real hope. May that be yours this week.